So LaMelo Ball returns, yet the Charlotte Hornets lose again, this time to the Pistons. Steve Clifford was not very happy about it last night after the game. We'll play you that press conference, and we'll talk all about it today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube, by the way. I'm Walker Mail. You can catch me on WFNZ on the Wesson Walker Show from 12 to 3. Just hit a month yesterday. Got a lot of kind words, so we appreciate that. And that's Doug Branson. You can catch more of his work on his Substack. Every Hornets box score at everyhornetsboxscore.com. You can also find the most recent write-up there after the Hornets lost to the Detroit Pistons last night in overtime, Doug, 141 to 134. The offense, pretty good. But Steve Clifford wasn't necessarily all that happy with the offense and really not happy with the defense. Talking about this afterwards, we do have the angry Steve uh, Steve Clifford press conference. We have that for you in the second segment. We did this. There's a quite a few things you could lead off this game with, but I think the first one we should lead off with is LaMelo because he returns, right? Mm-hmm. Second return of the season after the preseason injury gets injured again, stepping on a fan's foot that was sitting courtside against the Indiana Pacers. That was the third game LaMelo had played after his injury. And it was the only time we had seen him play well, right? Knocking off rust in the first two games after that return, not knocking off rust in this one, man came out firing. I mean, I, I tweeted this out. It was in the second half where LaMelo ball passes up an open three decides to wait for the defender to come closer to him dribbles closer to the corner and then hit swishes just freaking money ball corner three step back contested shot and then just nails it. He would end up finishing with 23 points, 11 assists. You could really tell his passing ability really helped this basketball team offensively nine of 18 five of 13 got a lot of stuff to get to here Doug but what did you make of LaMelo's second debut yeah LaMelo completely transforms the offense and I thought at least offensively I didn't see any lingering effects from the ankle I mean he was doing a lot of things that we've come to associate with LaMelo ball and a lot of those things do require him you know, to change speeds, change directions. You mentioned that step back. I mean, all of that puts pressure on the ankle. He did say after the game that he was feeling a little bit of pain in the ankle, but he's playing through it. Uh, So we'll see, you know, he's continuing treatment on the ankle. We'll see how that continues to develop and and everyone hoping that he doesn't re-injure it again. But yeah, he completely transformed the offense. I mean, look at the number of three-point attempts in this game for the team. 51. Um, I'm I, <laughs> I'm going to say that's far and away the most they've had in several months. And and in terms of scoring, uh, they scored the most points that, uh, since that Atlanta win, which was the third game of the season. They they were just a few points away from scoring the most that they've scored all season in regulation. You'd have to go back to the very first game of the season when they blew out the uh, San Antonio Spurs. So, you know, this team has not played well offensively all season. This is the best we saw them play offensively. We're obviously going to get to the defensive issues, uh, and and Lamelo was part of that, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but he but he was also a, a a plus sixteen on the game, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that when you played Lamelo with the bench, the bench suddenly looked a lot better. 
and it was because of how LaMelo could facilitate, change sides of the court, move the defense. It was all there on display how LaMelo really transforms an offense. Uh, Doug, he was in his bag offensively really passing, man. Like, it's it's crazy because normally you would expect him, again, to just knock off the rust, and it's exactly what happened in the first game, especially when so much of his game is predicated off of shooting when it comes to scoring the basketball. But the mm-hmm. assist numbers for him to go all the way up to 11 and the cross course, the cross court passes, those were phenomenal. I mean, just finding an alleyway. And I think it was to Kelly Oubre and it might have been off of a tap out from Mason Plumley, who tap out game strong. OK, for Mason Plumley, like the wacky wailing inflatable arm flailing tube man, just going <laughs> like this the whole time and getting rebounds all over the place. That was Mason Plumley. But LaMelo just a zinger right through the defense in between guys up front guys defending the back end and then going right through that seam just a bullet (laughs) that that is the fun part of Lamelo. we asked this on wfnz how can the hornets be fun again Lamelo is a walking fun player as soon as he enters the game for you you are going to get more exciting basketball and then it all comes crashing down because they lose and ultimately this game is about winning yeah, I mean, and and the reason why, or one of the reasons why it's fun to watch LaMelo play is because he pushes the pace and, and makes for exciting transition basketball. And it's one of the things that, as an offense, this team has gotten away from uh, since early in the season. They were they were pushing the pace. They were moving the basketball forward. When you had DSJ in there to help lead the offense without LaMelo, they were pushing the pace. And then DSJ gets hurt. And this team slowed way down on offense, and it became sort of a two-man perimeter passing game between Terry Rozier and uh, and Kelly Oubre. But yeah. with Lamelo back in the game, I mean, there was one play, and I almost thought he hurt his wrist. They were looking at his wrist on the sideline because he was falling, managed to get like a over-the-head pass to Jalen McDaniels in stride. McDaniels hits the transition bucket, but he braces his fall with that left wrist that he injured several years ago. They were looking at it on the sideline, but he got back into the game. But yeah, I mean, you know, putting his body on the line, pushing the pace, the Hornets uh, off-life rebounds in this game were a positive 5.3 points per possession. That's super high. They were doing a lot more frequently and doing it a lot more effectively than they have been all season. So all of those positives for the offense. Uh, Here's a negative for LaMelo Ball, and I didn't think it was going to be a concern early in the game, but, but he fouls out before overtime, was not a part of the overtime period for the Charlotte Hornets. I thought the sixth foul, Walker, was not a foul. I thought he got a clean block. But the problem was he had five other fouls, and and a lot of those yeah. fouls were because defensively, you know, he wasn't really able. It look, he looked a half step or a step slow in the pick and roll, and was was sort of constantly behind his defender. And the way he made up for that was trying to get in there and reach, like on Bogdanovich. And they're going to call that foul every time he gets six fouls, isn't available. Yeah, no steals in Lamelo for this game. I feel like everything else in the box score was pronounced at peak mellow, right? Well, except rebounds. Points. Only only one rebound as well. He That's, wasn't out there stealing a bunch of boards. And, and you know, fair, because Lamelo does get quite a few rebounds. You're right about that. And no steals there. So those are a couple. But no turnovers except for the one. So pretty good at, you know, sometimes we'll turn it over. But the peak Lamelo, right? 23 points, six fouls, which... Fouling out, that's peak Mello too, because we've always talked about the foul trouble with Mello. That rears its head immediately upon him returning. Good three-point shot, right? Five of 13. I guess not the best percentage in the world, but also not bad. And then nine of 18 from the field. I'll take 50% 
all day long overall from the field, especially when you're taking a lot of threes. So, you know, this this is it, right? You, you hope that LaMelo can improve defensively some more just by not fouling. And then the instincts, they'll come back as far as getting some steals away from Detroit or whatever opponent he faces. Um, but the fouling out, you hope, doesn't happen. We have some more observations on this game coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Jalen McDaniel's a bright spot, seven of nine from the field. Defensively, as Steve Clifford said, zero bright spots. And we'll play you that press conference in just a moment where he did not take any questions. He just had an angry message, and then he left right after that. So we'll get to that in just a moment, but not before these words from Doug Branson. So listen, we all know how ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online, right? We all know that. But here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Maybe you've run out of stuff to watch on Netflix or your streaming uh, platform of choice. This is going to change your world. ExpressVPN allows you to binge The Office on UK Netflix, uh, all kinds of shows in Australia and, and other things. You can get the like the real bluey, like I got a kid right now. And they for Disney Plus, they cut the episodes differently in, in America than they do in Australia. And I want that. I want the original cut. So you can use ExpressVPN to help you do that. It's so simple to do. Just sign into Netflix, fire up the ExpressVPN app, change your location to UK, refresh, refresh Netflix, and that's it. ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just imagine all of the Netflix libraries you can go through. If you love Korean dramas, you can use ExpressVPN to uh, get Parasite off of South Korean Netflix with your Netflix subscription. But it's just it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it, ExpressVPN works with it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason that I use ExpressVPN is because it's ridiculously fast, there's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD, no problem. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, go to expressvpn.com slash locked on right now, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash locked on expressvpn.com slash locked on to learn more. Also an important message uh, from the NHTSA. So here's the deal. You're hanging out with some friends and uh, putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think about calling for a ride. Ah, you know, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Here's the worst that can happen. Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everybody knows about the risk of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. More Locked on Hornets ahead. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen today. Make your next listen Locked On Sports today. For the games that matter the most, the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. So I was not there for this game yesterday. I am trying to get over a sickness that has been a roller coaster ride from hell, to be honest with you. I was a PJ Washington roller coaster. Oh, I mean, the thing is, I've been 
Yeah, maybe because I was down for a while, had two good games. That's probably right. And then I'm mm -hmm. down again. And this time I'm really down bad and it's been for a while. So I think this is the PJ Washington sickness. And I did not decide. I decided not to go to this game. Not that I wish I would have. I, I guess I do wish I was there for the Steve Clifford presser, even if I wouldn't have been uh, a part of it because he didn't take any questions, Doug. What about the questions last night? He just had a message for everyone. And here is that presser. We'll play it for you right now. I have to ask questions. Until, uh, until we care about something besides how many points we score, we're not going to win much. Can't play like that. I mean, we scored. Our offense was good. That's five out of the last seven games. We've been pretty good on offense. We are playing no defense, not one guy. There's not a bright spot. We don't run back on defense. We don't guard the ball, our pick and roll stuff. All stuff that was good. I think we were as high as like 12th or 13th in defense about 10 games ago. And we're right back to where we started ground zero. All we want to be is let's try to outscore the other teams. Doesn't work in the NBA unless you're, well, actually it never works. Okay. So what I just told them, this is either you build a game that will actually work at the end of the year when you play the important games or you don't. That's it. That's what the NBA is all about, okay? It's not that we don't have the talent to do it. All we care about is scoring. That's it. And if you're going to try to play like that, you better have like five all-stars. We don't have that kind of talent. So <laughs> it's not something that will work. We're either going to decide to get back to playing with a defensive effort. It's not, it's not that we're not trying to win. It's we go about it all wrong. Okay. I mean, watch team after team, right? There's always a team every year that they get there and what happens? They get drilled because they don't have a game. They don't have the right kind of game. You can't just outscore people in the NBA. You can't. You can't. And you can't decide that you're not going to do the things that take effort, like rebounding or getting loose balls or putting your body in front of the ball. You can't. It just doesn't work that way. And that's what we're trying to do right now. All right. Uh, coach, coach, oh, I have a yeah. coach, coach, where are you going? I have a question. Oh, yeah. That's Steve, baby. <laughs> See, okay, so so Steve Clifford, this is part of the reason that I love listening to him talk basketball. And this is what we told everybody when he was going to come back. If you did not know the Steve Clifford experience, never, ever is Steve Clifford going to bite his tongue on what he truly thinks, okay? Like, this is not something that Steve Clifford's ever been about. I saw Keith Smith tweet last night after Rod Boone tweeted out the quote from Steve, and then Dan Devine tweeted out, damn, like, oh, yeah, this is uh, an ass-chewing from old Steve Clifford. Keith Smith wrote, who covers the Orlando Magic quite a bit, he's like, yeah, he would do this with the Magic a few times a year. Mm -hmm. And you know what? He would let it be known with the Hornets, his first stint here. This is part of what I love about Steve Clifford is that we do get to listen to what he truly thinks. Also, here are a couple of the things that I wanted to point out. Just some mm -hmm. of the shots, okay? Yeah. Until we don't care about how many points we score, we won't win. We're right That's back true. to where we were, ground zero on defense. Uh, maybe a shot at James Borrego. We'll get to some more maybe here as well, just like what the team was last year, okay? Um, yeah, so we're right back to where we were, ground zero. We don't have five all-stars. A nice little ode to Mitch Kupchak and the soundbite that we liked. We don't have any all-stars on this team. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's get true, drilled. by the way. That's true. Yeah. Well, they have, I mean, unless you think former All-Stars, but this year they yeah. are. You we know. don't have any All-Stars on this team. That's true. Mitch Kupchak, Steve Clifford, they think alike. They get drilled at the end of the season yeah. this is when the teams think they can outscore and they don't build a game to last at the end. Right. That's, the, that's the gut punch. And then the last one that I had written down from Steve Clifford is you have to do the things that take effort. When he had been applauding effort, right? Something that he had been sure to mention to the media. He had been sure to mention to his team. They play with effort until this one where he says, you have to do the things that take effort or you're not going to win. I give the floor to you. Well, and the one that I noticed was, you know, that if you don't have a way to play, that you're going to get drilled at the end of the season. There are teams, you know, he again, he says teams every year. I'm just going to go ahead and speculate. Uh, I don't know if I have the speculate sound here uh, ready this and is available. Okay. I don't want to speculate. Yeah. So I, I'm going to speculate that when he was in the locker room, that barb was a little bit more detailed in terms of, yeah, it was the Hornets the past two seasons going into a play-in game, not having a way to play defense and getting drilled by their opponent. I mean, that's – that's who he was talking about. Didn't want to call out those previous teams. You know, coaches don't love to call out, for, you know, former coaches. It wasn't his team. But, I, but I'm sure in the locker room, you know, that's the thing. As as spicy as that was from Clifford, I, I imagine, and I, I watched the presser from LaMelo Ball and Mason Plumley, and they both look like super dejected. I'm sure that that what they what they heard in the locker room was a lot spicier and it goes back to something we've been talking about walker i think the hornets are breaking steve clifford like this is they are not not, i mean just the circumstances are not what he signed up for obviously with the injuries but he didn't this is not like his first experience with the charlotte hornets where he was really at ground zero and he got an opportunity to work with guys multiple years there weren't expectations to win immediately and he could install his plan over time he's having to really do this quickly and with a group that I don't think was necessarily built to play defense the way that Clifford wants to play defense. To me, Walker, this is kind of my take on this. We were always in every universe, despite the injuries, going to end up in this place at some point in the season with Clifford saying, you know, to hell with it. They can't play defense. You know what I'm saying? Like this group was eventually going to get here with Steve Clifford. Yeah, well, and and you you mentioned this team not being built for a Steve Clifford philosophy, which there are a couple of different ways you could go with that. You could blame the Hornets for doing the whole retread thing, bringing back the coach that they fired in order to bring in James Borrego, who they eventually fired in order to bring back the head coach they fired in the first place. OK, wow. Steve Clifford's coming back. Pretty big shock. And then they do that. So it's not like this was the perfect match made in heaven. Yes, the personnel has not been fully healthy. They finally get a guy back in LaMelo who plays really well offensively and they score, yes, in overtime, but only seven points in overtime. So it's actually not a great period of scoring for them. And they score over 130. Yes, all of that's true. And it's it's, it's just you can go back to the offseason where it seems a lot of that is coming to roost right now. Uh, the the things that didn't happen, the things that did, and you're seeing the Hornets lose to the Pistons. Like, Doug, Steve Clifford's biggest message to the team, you could feel it starting to maybe get out of hand, and it's not like Clifford is losing the squad, 
But his biggest message to the media and to the players after that Knicks game was that he was trying to stress they can win basketball games if they do certain things the right way. Well, you just that was two L's ago, okay? And you just lost to the Pistons at home with LaMelo ball back and playing well. You have one more game, and then you hit a six-game West Coast roadie, baby. That's going to be a bad taste in roadie. Doug, time's running out. I, 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 and I know the players know that because Steve Clifford said it himself. You can't lie to an NBA locker room. Yeah, well, and, and this seemed like a classic game where you get, you know, a star offensive player back, your only true all-star on the team. You get that player back, and and they've been having to fl- fight and claw every offensive possession to get a decent look. I mean, you saw Oubre take 13 threes in this game. You saw Terry Rozier take 13 threes in this game. Guys were getting looks that they haven't gotten all year because LaMelo was in the zone. And and they seem to, you know, let up in every other aspect of the game because they, they seem to get excited by the, the the idea that they could go out and and outscore the Pistons and they weren't ready for a Pistons bench that was super serious. I mean, Alex Alec Burks uh, got a ton of points in this one. Kevin Knox was firing. And, you know, I mean to me, like you look at Alec Burks and you go back and you you see some of the shots that he hit and it really, I think, displays the full level of the breakdown defensively because it was not staying in front on his drives. It was not staying in front on Killian Hayes' drives. They got kicked out to Alec Burks. It was him in a pull-up transition three where nobody uh, decided to guard the ball. That was all on Terry Rozier. That should have been his responsibility, but nobody communicating. Just breakdowns all across the board. At the, the, look, all Alec Burks does is hit three-point shots. And there were so many times where they were dropping or giving him too much space off ball. And it's like scouting report. I mean, this is stuff they should have gotten drilled into their head in the in the pregame, you know, walkthrough. And either they did and they didn't follow it or they didn't. But, you know, it was it was embarrassing to see how many points you give up to a Detroit team that is not good offensively. This is not they're a young team and they like to put pressure on you. I mean, Jaden Ivey, whew, he was like Russell Westbrook out there putting pressure on the defense. But the Hornets just were not ready to respond in this one. It was I mean, it was embarrassing to watch. And I think you're muted. I have another point to bring up. It's the sniffles, man. You don't want to hear that during the background of your take. That's not anything that people want to listen to. So I do have one other thing I want to mention about Steve Clifford, um, and we'll do that coming up. Coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Uh Uh-oh, can I get to it? Here we go. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Excellent job. All right, we'll get to some more. I do have a point about Steve Clifford and people bringing up James Borrego. A lot of people use that moment to say, looks like it wasn't James Brego's fault. I do want to kind of touch on that in just a moment, but not before Doug gets to speak to you. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. I think it's brought, to you by, it's brought to you it's by Bill brought Bar. You by Bill sorry, Bar. sorry, Bill. No, not my, not my beloved Bill Bars. No, sorry, Bill. I'm sorry. All right, let's, sorry. Right, hold on. Let's all take a breath. Okay. Let's pause okay. the podcast for a second. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Sorry. We're paused. Good. Great. Because, listen, you got to try this. And I'm talking about Built Bar's new reimagined flavors, cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper. <laughs> What's, so fu- <laughs> What's so funny? The word topper? Is that funny oh, to you, Walker? Topo. Built Bar Topo. topo. It's, it's delicious is what it is. White chocolate peppermint granola. It's Built's take on the granola bar, so it's more filling and still insanely tasty. And candy cane brownie puff. Built puffs are like biting into the universe's most delicious cloud. What do you think about that? 
universe's mm. most delicious cloud. First off, sounds fluffy. For anyone, what what does it sound like? Yeah, fluffy. Sounds sounds fluffy. First off, for anyone who hasn't tried Built Bars before, they're literally the best tasting protein bars ever built. They're revolutionizing nutrition as we know it with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and shockingly low sugar and calories. Only 130 calories? That's nuts, especially when you consider how good these things taste. Just sink your teeth into that first bite. It's going to change your life forever. I'm not kidding. There will be a time before you try these new Built flavors and then a time after you try them. You're probably wondering which new flavors are my favorite. It's it's a hard uh, question to answer, but any of the Built Puffs flavors. I love the Built Puffs. Um, great texture, great taste. Built, you got to try this. Get 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. More Locked On Hornets ahead. So, Doug, I think people used not only this press conference, but really this loss to the Detroit Pistons as an indictment on the Hornets' decision to let go of James Borrego. I saw a lot of, oh, doesn't look like James Borrego was the problem, right? And I understand that. I mean, if you if you look, my tweet at the time, I remember saying this was if you wanted to give James Borrego another year, cool. I got that. I understood that. There were some things, there were some there was some evidence as to this team improving a little bit. I, I didn't think that it was the worst decision in the world to get rid of James Borrego. I thought it might be a new direction. Now, everything ha- that happened after that was not foreseen. Nobody knew Kenny Atkinson was going to back out. Nobody knew that the whole Mike D'Antoni possible hire, that was going to fizzle out, and then eventually you'd get Steve Clifford. I mean, even the Hornets didn't know that, which is part of the problem that we had with their quote-unquote plan. I, I almost look at it as, you know, if James Borrego wasn't the problem, that very well could be true, right? Defensively, sure. Maybe this team, it's just not built defensively. But also... The four games that LaMelo has played, Doug, offensively, they've been pretty good. Even mm-hmm. when LaMelo was struggling from the field in the first two contests. Against Miami, they score 115. Against Orlando, they score 112. Against Indiana, they score 113. Against Detroit in overtime, they score 134. If you look at where the Hornets ranked last year in total points scored per game, they were fourth at 115. Because of this game against Detroit, this offense is actually performing better. It doesn't mean that Steve Clifford is a better offensive coach. It just means that maybe this personnel, maybe this group of guys not going to get the job done. Like, Doug, this is a really, this is a bad one, you know, especially the timing of this loss for Detroit with LaMelo coming back, with there being a West Coast road trip ahead. Now this is the sixth loss in the row. And the thing I keep going back to is Steve Clifford's messaging. I'm not going to call it desperate after the Knicks game. It just felt like the first time where Clifford kind of did the whole shoulder shrug thing and said, we need guys back and we're not going to win. We we can. He he kept stressing that they can win, which if you're going to stress so hard that you can win these games, then it means to me that there might be some kind of pushback or disbelief in that locker room if you're pushing it so hard. And that's two L's ago, and that's some of the problems I see. Yeah, I mean, it's clear that there really isn't a player on this roster that or that was playing last night that really takes all, all of their identity and all of their pride is locked up on the defensive end of the floor. They just don't have those players. There is one player that's sitting on the bench right now because he is also injured with an ankle injury that was doing that for them earlier in the season when they were playing decent defense, and that's Dennis Smith Jr. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made 
uh, that you know the player that they actually need to come back more than LaMelo Ball was DSJ because he really helps them so much defensively with his ball pressure and his commitment that leaks through the entire team uh, because and, and it's really it's it's that's not a dig at LaMelo Ball that's a dig at how the rest of this roster is constructed where like you don't have a lot of you have a lot of guys that really can get up and play offense you don't have a lot of guys that can play defense and LaMelo Ball has not gotten his and, and maybe it's the ankle maybe it is slowing him down he sort of alluded to that after the game so maybe LaMelo Ball's defense improves as the season goes on but that's never been where he really hangs his hat on like really fundamental defense and, and so he's not going to really necessarily lead by example there, whereas DSJ does. And so getting him back, I think, um, would be a huge thing. But look, I, again, I think we were always going to get here with Clifford. It's just we're getting here at a moment where it's a lot more apocalyptic for postseason hopes because of the injuries, because your record is what it is. You know, had this press conference happened after the fourth or fifth game and they didn't have all of these injuries, then we would be saying, well, you know, this is just kind of a natural part of the process of Clifford trying to install accountability and, and get them to play defense the way, you know, a higher level of defense than they were really uh, capable of last season. It, just the problem is they're losing basketball games and they have this road trip coming up and the season looks like it's, you know, hanging on a knife's edge. Yeah, it really does. And by the way, just looking at the rotation, if you just wanted to put some finishing points on this game, um, James Booknight, Bryce McGowan's both out of the rotation. And and Bryce is really the key one here because Bryce had been getting quite a few minutes, 30 minutes against the Knicks on Friday, had been consistently getting close to 20. LaMelo comes back, no more Bryce McGowan's, got a DNP CD in this one, and you also had overtime. Yeah, so I, I thought that Bryce McGowan's might get a few minutes but I, I did think that he was going to be the biggest victim of LaMelo yeah. Ball's return. Be, and I think it's going to be, you know, if we don't see more players come back, uh, I think it's all going to be matchup-based. So Detroit had a lot of bigs that they could throw at the Hornets. So I felt like Kai Jones was going to be the beneficiary of that. And, and so if, we, if they play a team that plays a little bit smaller, I wouldn't be surprised to see Bryce McGowan's get some of those Kai Jones minutes. Well, and I, and I thought about Charlotte maybe going to Detroit after the game and scratching their neck and asking, hey, can you give us one of those young centers y'all got over there in Detroit? How about Jalen Duran? How about Jalen Duran? Hey, can you yeah. give us that center? Hey, man, man, where could we get a guy like that? I just wish the Hornets Uh-oh. had an opportunity to get a guy <laughs> that could go out and grab those tough defensive rebounds, get a few offensive rebounds, strength, you know, underneath, block shots. I mean, where, where, man, I just wish they had an opportunity. You know what, though, Doug? You know who didn't have two key turnovers at the end for their team? Denver's first-round pick next year. He didn't have any TOs. <laughs> so, screw you, Detroit. Take look, your look, jail and Fred, in all beat, seriousness, dude. In all seriousness, like, Duran is not in contention for Rookie of the Year, but at least round one of that trade grade is going to Detroit and not Charlotte for passing up on the opportunity to get Duran there. Um, because I think they're, while he's not contending for rookie of the year, while he has had some offensive struggles, I think he's doing things that would be immediately impactful for the Charlotte Hornets. And I'll say this, I think Duran could have come into training camp and gotten a spot in this rotation because of the level of physicality that he plays with. Physicality, something that I think has, you know, kept Mark Williams out of early minutes in the rotation, a chance in the regular season before this ankle injury. Yeah, and last thing, I guess we can talk about that. 
you and I both, right? There, there are a couple of episodes we've done after drafts where it didn't shake our way and we were the most extreme of ourselves. I raised my hand high after the SGA draft where it was at Spectrum Center. You told me to calm down because we were at the Hornets home court and I took that producer advice. Yes, I was having a meltdown. It was my first lockdown Hornets meltdown. We had a very dark episode after they decided to draft our guy in Jalen Duran and then decide to trade him where not not only was it dark and feeling but your light kept going out it was actually real dark you had some kind of special (laughs) special effect on your own lighting when you were at a hotel doing this episode with me i i do want to say this I, i i don't want this to be some huge hit on mark williams because i like, yes, I want a Jalen Duran too, right? You you can go watch the episode. It's pretty clear both of us badly wanted Duran. I don't think that this is some statement on Mark Williams never being able to figure it out. No, no it doesn't look good. That's not, because how, he's that's in the not how I feel. That's not right. How I, feel. I don't either. I, I think there's a lot of good that Mark Williams can do. And you have to understand, like, this is also kind of the Steve Clifford MO. Even with a center rotation that you don't feel good about ahead of him, this is kind of what Steve Clifford's done, you know, where he doesn't play a lot of these young guys. He's not been given a choice in the backcourt. That's how Book Knight gets some, but also that's how Bryce McGowan's gets run because you're without all of these guys in the backcourt. But you're going with Nick Richards. You're going with Kai Jones, who's a little bit older. I, you know, it's harder to make that argument, to be honest with you. I just don't want this to be some Mark Williams is never going to make it and he's already a bust because I don't feel that way. No, and and I also don't think that Jalen Duran would have come in and become the starting center of the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, he's starting at center. He got Bagley's starting job because the Pistons are in full tank mode. That's not what I think. But you but you look at the, you look at these two lines between Duran and Nick Richards, and it's undeniable. Nineteen rebounds for oh, yeah. Duran, thirteen defensive rebounds, six offensive rebounds, uh, and then in thirty six minutes, so double the minutes that Nick Richards got in this game. Only 18 minutes for Richards, three rebounds, no shot attempts. It's under, I mean, yes. it's 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 undeniable what Duran would have been able to show, I think, in the offseason and you know, leading up into training camp and in preseason. I think he would have been able to display a level of physicality that could be immediately infused into this team. And and the and and so it just sort of wraps up this entire conversation that the organization has made choices time after time before Steve Clifford ever came in to rescue the Hornets after that coaching debacle. And those decisions all add up to, we don't have enough physicality on the defensive end of the floor. We don't have enough want to on the defensive end of the floor. That's not how you build a playoff team. That's how you build a team that gets shellacked in two consecutive play-ins. And there's not a thing that Borrego or Steve Clifford yeah. can necessarily do about that if that's how you're going to construct the roster. Borrego and Clifford are not the general managers. That's right. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most, the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll finish out the week tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day.